Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Welcome to Garden Better. I'm Adam Woodhams, gardener and horticulturalist, and with me is Jenny Dillon. Hey, Jen, you're a gardener, you're a horticulturalist. What yes. have we got coming up on the show this week? Oh, well, this week we're going to talk about summer lawns and power tools. Ooh, love power tools. Oh, love you're such tools. a man, aren't you? <laughs> I just love toys, Jed. Simple <laughs> as that. Well, let's get out there on the lawn. Okay. So what do you think we should be doing first? Well, look, your lawn should be looking pretty good by now, shouldn't it? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's that's our fantasy picture, that it's looking lush and green and we've done everything right. But I think reality is most people haven't done everything they need to. I know I sort of don't often get round to doing all the things I'm supposed to. We run out of time, don't we? That's life. We do it? run out of time. But yeah. as I've said before, and this is probably going to be a refrain, we also have neighbours. Yes. And my neighbours all around don't look after their lawns. They're full of weeds and what happens? The weeds flower. They come come to your place. They come to me. There is one advantage though of neighbours that don't look after their lawns or gardens very well. It sets a lower bar for yourself so it's much easier oh. to make yours look <laughs> spectacular. <laughs> but, you know, that's so true. My yeah. <laughs> my gar- my lawn outside the front of my house is the only bit that's green in the whole street. Yes, yes. yes. It's it's fascinating. So I remember we filmed uh, some fertilizer um, videos, how-to videos at my place, um, going back a, a few years, and we ended up fertilizing the living daylights out of a couple of our lawns because you know you're doing take after take yeah. after take, oh and I'm God. thinking, oh well, this is a test for you know they they claim that this fertilizer doesn't burn even if you overapply it. I thought here's a test because <laughs> we've put so much on, and I have to tell you that summer we had the best looking lawn in the street because it ended up so lush and so strong. And everybody else's lawns were dying and parched. Everybody thought I was watering my lawn, but it, it, we'd actually built so much strength into it, it was able to survive through summer. And that, I think, is the best point, that there's a lot you can do now to still get your lawn looking good and surviving across summer. Yeah. Well, feeding it is is, is a really good idea. At this stage, um, the lawn is like a teenager. It's hungry. Mm-hmm. It's growing and it needs food. Well, and they, they are fast growers. That's what it comes down to. Most of the grasses that we use uh, as lawn grasses in Australia are warm season grasses. So mm-hmm. that means they make their growth over the, the warm times of year. So you do need to be feeding appropriately. And if you use a quality fertilizer, it doesn't necessarily matter when you apply it. So you can apply it before rain. It can sit there for as long as it needs to. You don't have to water it in. You just wait for some natural mm. water and it will feed it. Obviously, you're going to get better results if you if you do have that ability to, to water it in. Um, but feeding is one of the best ways to build the strength in your lawn to get it survive across the summer periods. Now, mowing. This is one of my big things. My dad... My dad was one of those funny people. We used to call him Ron the Rambo Gardener (laughs) because 
he loved the garden, he loved the lawn, but he was very much a I am in control type person, you know. So he'd he'd get out there and really exert his dominance over the lawn and garden. And he was very much in the the frame of mind that you in summer mow the lawn low, really low. Wrong. To the point where you scalp it. And it's no. just the wrong thing, isn't mm. it, Jen? Yeah. You should only cut about a third of the blade. Mm. Um and it's so much nicer to walk on as well. Yeah. Well, I, I describe that's over the years I've heard so many descriptions. Oh, you cut it to this height, you cut it to that height, and at this time of year you cut you cut this much off and this time of year you cut that much. I actually say these days go for foot feel. Yeah. For what feels nice underfoot mm-hmm. is round about the right length for your lifestyle. It's as simple as that. You yeah. know? And if you're leaving that grass at that nice length over summer, you're in fact protecting the grass from the heat because those little leaf blades end up working as as umbrellas. like umbrellas, mm. protecting the roots, protecting the soil, helping retain moisture. So it is important to to keep your lawn at a, a normal sort of length or or that, as I said, that foot feel length over summer. Now, and a big one for me, I always suggest to people in the cooler months switch off mulch mowing uh, because there's that increased possibility of fungal problems if we get rain and and damp conditions and the Mm. cool conditions but this time of year absolutely critical you switch back to mulch mowing because that's protecting the roots of the plant all those tiny little bits of of, uh, leaf that have been cut up into super fine pieces they become like micro mulch and they help to keep uh, workers in insulation just the same way as mulch does on your garden beds they do that on the and they return they turn nitrogen back to the soil but I think there's just one thing you have to be careful with if say like me you have your neighbor's weeds growing in your lawn that's not a good idea because you're going to end up sending the seeds back into the soil. Well, that's it is a good time to be looking at treating those those weeds as well mm. because uh, a lot of the weeds that are appearing now are warm season uh, mm-hmm. annuals, so they are making rapid growth. They're very easy to spot. I'm I'm not big on using uh, weed killers in the lawn um, because often they actually they work by partially poisoning your lawn your as own well. Lawn, yeah. yeah. So I, I'm although it sounds like a chore. Get out there and actually physically do the weeding and get most of these weeds out. And it's effective. It's instantaneous. There's some very good long-handled weeders that you can use for getting even big weeds out of the lawn. So get on top of those those lawn weeds now. That's the ideal time to do it. And really it's your last time to uh, – last chance to, to treat Bindi <gasps> before it turns into a problem. It's, it's a monster. You know, my poor little puppy, I take him for a walk. He doesn't go for a walk. He goes for a hop. He goes for a hop. Well, it's the summer lawn hop if you forget yeah. to take care of Bindi, isn't it? Yeah. And it's it's uh, people often launch a revenge attack on their lawn once they've got prickles in their feet because they think, oh, I'll get rid of this Bindi now, I'll nuke it. But it's too late. The plant's already dead. The, you know those little those little prickles are the seeds, mm. so it's finished its life cycle. There is no point on spraying your lawn if you're feeling the prickles in your feet. Mm. Um, physically remove some young plants if you see them, but you're just going to have to wait until next season and wear thongs. Yeah, do it late winter. That's the time. Yes, yes. And there's also a, a lot of grub movement at this time of year. So you can get those different lawn grubs that uh, yeah. there's some underground, some above ground. So do keep an eye out for any dead patches that may appear because they they can be caused by grubs quite often. Yeah, it's, it's, it, there's there's two ty- mainly two types of grubs that affect us in Australia. One grows into a beetle, another one grows into a moth. So you know you have a problem if you have a lot of moths. Mm. And once you get to know the life cycle of these these creatures, it's very, very short. Once they mature, their sole purpose in life 
is to mate is and, to lay, and lay eggs, eggs. Yeah, exactly. and they lay yeah. thousands of that turn into the grubs that can destroy. And they tend to strip your lawn almost overnight, mm. whereas the, the lawn grub, the giveaway you've got the, the lawn grub or the curl grub as it's often called, is if you see a dead patch in your lawn, if you try and grab that grass and it comes straight away from the ground, yeah. That's the the curl grub underground because it's chewed all of the roots off. But now I know that sounds like a lot, but it's not really that much, is it, Jen? No. No. And you do all this and your lawn's going to look schmick over summer and that's what we all want, isn't it? Absolutely. Where would we be without power garden tools, Jen? (laughs) Much quieter, right? (laughs) The look on your face, I know, that's what you're saying to me, isn't it? (laughs) Every rubbish day, they all come out, all the power tools. I know. I, you know, I reckon we'll, we'll have a talk about battery gear in a minute because I, I actually want to roll through a little bit of the history of, of power garden tools because it is quite fascinating. But I reckon that all contractors these days should have to use battery equipment because yes. there is there is commercial grade battery equipment. And I reckon they should have to because it's so much quieter. It's just, it's just appalling, you know, and... It's pollution. It is. It is. Yeah. It's noise pollution. It's urban pollution. It makes people angry. But it, did you know, I dug up some facts when I knew we were going to be talking about this. Yeah. The first lawnmower was human powered and it was invented in 1830 in England, of course, by Edwin Budding. And it was your typical cylinder mower, which is basically, there's two types of lawnmowers. Who cut the lawns there's, before? It would have been done by hand with with scythes and things like that. So oh. it would have all been done manual and, you know. So, But the, a cylinder mower, there's two main types of mowers that you, you still see them today. A cylinder mower is basically where you have a big cylinder generally at the front of the mower that's got blades on it. And a rotary mower is your typical lawn mower where you have that that disc with some blades on the edge of it underneath, mm-hmm. a, underneath a deck. So that they're the two different types of mowers. But you know what the next big leap was in the development of lawn mowers? In the 1890s, steam. Steam. <laughs> I just love the concept of a steam-powered lawn mower. But the irony was they often used things like petrol to heat the water to create the steam. <laughs> Because <laughs> they had they hadn't built the internal combustion engine yes. at that stage, you see. Mm. So I think that's I think that's actually kind of funny. That, that uh, is rather but curious. a steam a steam lawnmower. How cool is that? That and apparently it took hours for them to warm up to build up a big enough head of steam. So if you wanted to mow at midday, you'd be you'd be starting to fire the mower up at about seven a.m. So was this in England again? <laughs> We're talking about bigger states. Oh, absolutely. It'd mm-hmm. be the bigger states in England. Yeah. yeah. But then it was the rotary mower, which is which is the cousin of what we know today. It was the twenties and thirties when they they started to invent that. But they were still enormous because they they didn't have those compact engines that we mm-hmm. have today, which came with two stroke and then later with the development of of compact four strokes. But it was Australia's own Victor that in the fifties started to mass produce the uh, the lightweight domestic model of a rotary mower. That's when we begin the great suburban dream, isn't it? It is really. That's mm. you know the white picket fence, the white picket fence, the the Victor mower, which was affectionately called the peach tin because apparently the uh, the earliest models, the prototypes, they used a peach tin as the fuel can. 
So oh. it was, yeah. <laughs> they okay. In fact, if you talk to really old nursery people going back, you know, the, the, in the earliest days of wholesale when it became retail nurseries, they used to sell plants in peach tins and things like that before plastic pots were around. Oh, that's so cute. I think it's fantastic. Yeah. I think it's fantastic. But so really what it comes down to is that home garden tools, power tools, have been around since petrol engines became viable and portable. And and really we started a lot of them. I remember from my childhood everything was two-stroke, you know, so the mower was incredibly smoky and stinky and noisy and, you know, ran with that whining sound and you'd start it up and there'd be this enormous eruption of smoke came off it. And, wow. But a big evolution from that was when four strokes, because the, the difference is a two-stroke is where you put petrol you mix oil and oil petrol, and petrol. yourself, mm-hmm. whereas a four-stroke has a sump that you put oil into and you just run it on regular petrol. So it's kind of like a miniature version of your car mm. engine. Um, but they came up with a way to make them. The problem with a sump, of course, is that you can't really turn it upside down and stuff, but they came up with ways to be able to to do that and make four-stroke portable for things like um, line trimmers and chainsaws and your favourite blowers. Um <laughs> But now what we're heading towards, of course, is batteries are becoming viable for so much gear and I, you Where are an enormous you been, fan. Where have you been, Adam? I, I, what have you been now? I've, been, I've had I've been my there. battery mower for 15 years. That's a long time. It's still going. It just chugs along and you never hear me. Yeah. <laughs> I can sneak up behind you. Well, see, that is that is the beauty of it. That they are very quiet. You can you can mow without needing earmuffs, which is a fantastic thing, because mm-hmm. they all fall under the the decibel rating of what you actually need. Um, and you don't disturb your neighbours as much, which is is to me fantastic. As I alluded to before, I reckon commercial operators should be using mm-hmm. this stuff. It should be, you know, if you're in a strata, you write into the terms of that maintenance agreement that they have to use battery gear. What a good idea. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because all around me is strata. Yeah. Yeah. And it is, it's amazing the the difference it makes. It it's much easier to just have that on and off. That's the thing that I really like with battery gear. You know, rather than having to go through the whole rigmarole of of pulling or whatever to start, mm. you basically are just Pressing switching a button. a button, instant power. Simple yes. as that. It's it's got maximum rev straight away. There's no warming up. There's mm-hmm. nothing happening there. Always have a second battery on charge. That's I because I I've got a, a bigger place than yours, so I tend to go through um, batteries. You know, when I'm doing the the edge trimming, I'll generally um, exhaust two batteries. Oh, um, really? Yeah, yeah. Well, we're an acreage, so oh, by okay. the time by the time you do all the boundary fences and yeah. all the bits. Well, see, my trim is electric to aught's battery. Yeah, you know, and it just goes. <laughs> It it is quite surprising how powerful they are, isn't it? They they certainly have comparable. I I haven't used my really good quality four stroke line trimmer for about two years now. I do everything with my eighty two volt uh, battery line trimmer. Right. I think we need to uh, explore this area a bit more thoroughly. One company that has made enormous advances in the area of battery gear is Ryobi, so we thought we'd get one of their experts in for a chat. Wade King, Senior Product Manager from Ryobi. Welcome, mate. Now, battery gear, there's a lot of old school gardeners out there. They're pretty sceptical about the reality of how effective these tools can be. But, I mean, reality is we're not talking about toys, are we? These are pretty serious tools at the top end. They're definitely not toys, Adam, and I suppose I wanted to start by um, by sort of letting you know a bit of a story. Um, so, my old man uh, is actually one of these skeptics. 
So he's a, uh, a staunch petrol user of over 25 years and we used to live on acreage and uh, and it actually took him taking the plunge and, and using a battery-powered tool to realise just how good they are. Batteries have gone through a lot of change. Can you tell us a little bit about those big stages of evolution of the battery-powered gear and the point we've reached at the moment? Ryobi, as a manufacturer, we've, we've been doing garden tools um, for over 10 years now. So the progression in the technology, uh, just in the short time that we've actually been doing these these tools has been enormous. And certainly um, a bit of an understanding of the technology is quite important. So there's one sort of uh, consistent factor um, that does come across all of these tools. So for starters is the voltage. There can be 12 volt, 18 volt, 36 volt, 80 volt. The one consistent factor across all of these batteries is the the amp hour rating, the the physical amount of energy within the battery. One thing I've found important too, and I think this is if folks do start looking at switching over to battery gear, is that um, the different brands, obviously your batteries are compatible within your range, but it's, it's important to understand that there's entire ecosystems of tools. So I I think that's Correct. that's a key thing for people to to do is to say, okay, well, I'm going to make this move to battery. Let's have a look at this range and does it have all the tools within that range that I am likely to need? I think that's what people get confused with too is that some gear comes with a battery and others are what they often call skin only and that's where you basically need the battery. So you, you'll be taking the battery from your other tool and using it you know, from your, your line trimmer and using it on your blower, for example. So you need to make sure you're staying within that ecosystem and that ecosystem has all the, the different products that you, you actually potentially might need. Doing your research is critical. You know, one of, one of our systems has over 100 tools powered off that one battery, everything from a leaf blower to a mower to a chainsaw, across to an angle grinder, um, you know, even small little uh, little drills and, and miter saws all run off that one battery. So in terms of considering uh, where you want to invest, having having a good understanding of that of that platform is is critical so you know once once you're in then you don't have to keep purchasing batteries you can use that same battery which obviously at the end of the day makes it cheaper yeah, and um, and invest is a good word too because if somebody's looking at uh, one of the the battery lawnmowers, one of the good quality ones, you're not talking a hundred bucks. We're talking three or four no. or even five hundred dollars for some of these. Exactly. Things. Yeah. Exactly right. Exactly right. And certainly when you're starting off, uh, we definitely do recommend people start off with a kit. Mm. Uh, so that includes your battery and charger and your tool. And then from there, it's it's a lot more cost effective to go back and if you know if you want to buy a hedge trimmer or you know a drill for that. You can do that, but you don't have the additional cost of the battery and charger each time. Yes, you're just just buying that skin that you slip the battery into. Now, I understand you guys have even got a rechargeable um, ride-on mower now, don't you? We absolutely do. So a full-size 38-inch cutting deck on the unit, and it will run up to two hours uh, or two acres of of coverage. So, you know, with with this type of unit, um, it is a huge change um, from from a petrol equivalent. You know, you don't have the belts and pulleys associated with a petrol unit. So on a mower deck, one of the most common uh, common things, especially ride-ons, uh, is they have drive belts um, that drive the blades. Mm. And if you suck up a stick or something like that as you're mowing, they can actually get caught in those belts and stretch or snap them. Mm. One of the number one reasons why you actually go back to the, to the mower store to have your ride-on serviced. Uh, but our unit doesn't actually have any of these belts or pulleys. So that's a huge factor in itself. 
beyond the basics of, you know, blades and, and that type of thing, the consumable components, it really is from a convenience factor, so much easier uh, to use. You plug it in after you've finished using it, it charges up and you wait till next and time and away yeah. you go to mow again. You know? uh, this um, is one of the things I always emphasize in the in the many articles I've written about garden gear and we've talked about, about battery gear is that the maintenance for the average home gardener they don't want to have to remember about spark plugs and changing oil and all of that sort of nope. stuff that, that all, no, you have to, all you have to remember to do is charge the battery and you don't have many of the, the problems with storage. So particularly, and I think this is increasingly relevant with people's properties becoming smaller, they haven't got the storage space. So with a traditional lawnmower, I'll use that as a, the prime example, you, you can't stand the thing up because you're going to be leaking petrol and potentially ending up with oil in the in the actual the cylinders. Whereas with a, a battery mower, you can do what you want. You can hang the thing up. You can stick it in the back of a cupboard. You can do anything you, you need Correct. to. I mean, it's, it's light. It's, you know, it's, it's easy to lift in and, in and out of the back of the car. It's easy to lift in and out of the shed, you know, but people do absolutely, you know, if you, if you, you know, clean this thing after you've used it, there is no reason why you couldn't bring it in the house and store mm. it because there aren't those those smells associated, um, you know, beyond obviously exactly right. Mm. It's not going to stink your, your house out or, or anything like that. So I'm I'm very big on, um, making sure that people stay safe when they're working outside too. And one of the the things that I find very appealing is the, the fact that this stuff is a lot quieter. So the vast majority of battery gear, you don't even in fact need earmuffs for, which brings you to a second sort of big advantage is that you can get out there with your mower on a Sunday morning and not annoy the bejesus out of your neighbours. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. And, that, and look, that's a, that's a really, really major one as well. I mean, the, a really good demo we do in that store level is we'll actually start a mower in front of the customer and continue the sales conversation with them while yeah, the mower is actually the, while operating. While the mower is running. <laughs> yep, and that, and that can be running because you obviously, with, with all the units, um, the, the safety factor is obviously another thing. So you always have to be holding on to uh, the mower in this case that we're talking about. You have to be holding the switch. If yes, you yeah. let go of that switch, it instantly stops. Like, so like from a, a safety perspective, yeah. that's huge. And, 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 you know, beyond that, the, the, the weight factor on mm. mowers especially, uh, you know, we're talking up to 10, 15 kilos lighter. Well, I'm, I'm on a small acreage and I use uh, battery gear to do all of my boundaries. So, for instance, all of the, yep. the line trimming and then the, you know, the lawnmower underneath the, all the tricky spots, the clothesline, clothesline and all those sort of, you know, annoying little yeah. fiddly areas. And yep. I, I love the fact that it is so much easier for me to pick it up and move it around. And when you're doing the boundary fences of, a, of an acreage, I'll tell you, using a big four-stroke line trimmer yep. it takes yep. it out of you because you're doing a, a lot of a lot of distance so there's and, and also that that position of where the motor is like a, a line mm. trimmer is a good example it's sort of much closer to where your 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 face is mm. uh, to a degree mm. and there's not only the noise but there's also the fumes associated with that whereas you know a, a, yeah. a, a battery powered unit the noise factor is one, but also the fact that there are zero emissions while you're using the tool. And if so you've, and you, if you have you have solar panels on your roof, well, you're exactly actually right. you're charging yep. it up, charging it up for free, completely environmentally exactly. friendly. Hey, now exactly where do you, where right. do you reckon that battery gear is going to go next? The the new units that we have that you know they're in the market now. You know they're lighter, they're more compact, they're more powerful than ever before. And that comes down to the tools themselves actually being smarter. Mm. Uh, and you know, a mower is a good example of that where we have uh, what's called load sensing technology where basically 
uh, as you're running along, if it if it hits a, a thicker, tougher patch of, of grass, it will actually increase the RPM of the motor. And that's as a result of the motor and the battery talking to each other. Yeah, so you get more runtime and you get you get better performance. Now, yeah, you get a balance. Yeah. What What is your favourite bit of battery kit, Wade? Come on, what's <laughs> what's what's your favourite out in the garden when you're getting Look, out there? I'm, I'm a really big sucker for chainsaws. The biggest difference I could tell you um, between a cordless tool and a petrol-powered tool is probably most evident in a chainsaw. Yeah. The way the way that it delivers the power is so different. So with, with a two-stroke petrol chainsaw, generally you're revving it really hard. There's mm. all the noise, the fumes, um, and, and that power delivery is very, very different. And I guess with a with a cordless chainsaw, firstly, you know, you've got it in the back of the four wheel drive. You pull it out, and it's always ready to go. You're not you're not choked. You're not prime. You're not you know, making sure the fuel's fresh. All of that. Uh, it's not stinking out the car, but mm, it's mm. completely consistent in its power delivery. Uh, and as a result of that, it's actually there's so much easier to control. I mentioned safety before, and I think it is worth mentioning too that that. People do seem to think, for some reason, being battery, they're a little bit more toys, you know. But the the yeah. fact is, I I use my um, battery powered chainsaw, and it is just astounding the power of it. Yep. And yep. people do still have to wear, um, you know, safety glasses, gloves, absolutely. Uh, boots, uh, so don't don't think just because it's a battery chainsaw, you don't need that safety gear. You do absolutely still need to wear not. it. Now, just before we wrap up, have you got a couple of quick tips for our listeners on selecting the right battery gear for their needs? What do they need to be looking for? For starters, what are you planning on doing? So in the case of a line trimmer, are you slashing tall grass? Are you just predominantly edging? Because from those two different applications, there's a different tool potentially that we could recommend um, as an example. So that's the first question. What are you planning on doing? Secondly, how big is the job or how long does it currently take you to do the job? This is really important for mowers because you kind of want to know, okay, well, how big is your backyard or how long does it take you to mow? Then the, the third one is, what are your expectations of the tool? So for people who are converting from a, a petrol mower, for example, we would want to try and keep people uh, at a similar power level to that. So mm, if that's mm. the case, we would recommend, if required, that they purchase a 36-volt brushless mower mm because that will give them comparable levels of performance. Yes, yes. Um, so mm. talking to people is, is obviously really important, especially the experts uh, down at your local Bunnings store. Or if you're, if you're lucky enough, we do have a number of uh, area managers or representatives in stores on weekends uh, on Saturdays as well. Doing uh, demos, yes. In I've, I've, gear. I've, seen yeah. the, I've seen them out there. So basically, yep. if, if folks don't have the opportunity to do the research before they hit the store, then go in with a checklist of the things that they want to accomplish and then everything can be fulfilled from that point forwards. All right. Well, Wade King from Ryobi, thank you very much. I'm feeling like getting out there on the tools right now. Hey, guys, can I bail and just go and do some hedges? No, I'm not. Producers nodding. No, no definitely not happening. <laughs> thank you, Wade. It's a very exciting evolution and I think uh, folks do really need to consider the battery gear very carefully next time they're uh, thinking about upgrading some of their power equipment. Thank you so much, Adam. I really appreciate it. Gardening by the Moon with Milton Black. 
Hi, Milton. Welcome back. How's it going? Oh, very, very busy in the garden, like everybody at this time of the year, Jenny. But uh, have you had uh, time to get into the garden yourself? I certainly have. Good. Well, you know, from the 9th up to the 22nd, is a very mixed sort of period for gardening with the moon. But uh, you've got to remember, too, that keep a close eye on all shrubs, annuals and vegetables that need regular watering for those that are having a little bit of difficulty with water. I mean, there's a bit of rain around, but uh, you'll probably get more rain later on in the uh, in the month and probably into January. But uh, at this stage... Um, bear in mind that watering is as close as possible, uh, you know, to the to the roots. Uh, just don't sort of give them over the the, the top. But however, um, the moon's actually in Taurus, and uh, this is a fabulous time for planting above ground crops at the moment because the moon's waxing up to the full moon on Thursday, the twelfth. So. It's a fabulous time here for the moon and Taurus for all those above ground crops. Plant those uh, seeds out of the boxes into the garden too at the moment. Do your beans, you can do your peas, your lettuces, anything that grows above the ground. Now the full moon comes up on Thursday and the full moon's in Gemini. Now you just don't plant on a full moon because that's where the, the moon and the sun are in opposition and it really doesn't give any life to the plants at all. So then it goes into camp on the 13th, so Friday and Saturday, uh, absolutely great days for planting below ground crops mm-hmm. because the moon now is, is starting to move into the uh, to the waning uh, side. So if you've got those uh, potatoes you want to put in or if you've got radishes or your beets and things like this, yeah. that's the time to put them in on the 13th and 14th. Now the moon actually on Sunday the 15th, enters into Leo at 1.56 in the afternoon. So you can still plant up till about lunchtime uh, on on that uh, Sunday if you wish. But um, that's uh, really not a fertile sign. So you can have a rest on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday of uh, the 16th, 17th and 18th. And what I'd suggest you do on those days, no planting, but just go around and clean up your garden a little bit, take the heads off the roses and the camellias and things like this that that need sort of uh, de-heading and all those little sort of fiddly things that you can do, a bit of watering if it requires. Now, you've got the last quarter of the moon coming in in Virgo at 2.57 on the Thursday the 19th. And also, the moon will then enter Libra that night at eight, uh, uh, four minutes past eight. So no planting at all on the Thursday, the 19th. But get things ready on that day. Get it all ready because on the 20th and the 21st and 22nd, fabulous days for planting. And it's uh, going to be mainly below the ground cl- crops. But I do feel that also it's a good time to start your spraying and getting things ready for uh, getting rid of those bugs in the garden as well. So you can actually um, spread your compost, do a little bit of fertilising and all those things on the 20th, the 21st and the 22nd as well. And the reason I say that you can do both on those days is because here we've got Libra and Scorpio, two of the fertile signs of the zodiac that can take a balance of a little bit of spraying and a little bit of feeding at the same time and right. also a little bit of below the, the ground growth. So it's it's, it's quite, uh, quite favourable. So just remember, up to the 11th, above ground crops, and uh, then you can have from 
uh, the 13th, 14th, below the ground crops. And then you can go right through water that week, last quarter of the moon, do a little bit of uh, fertilising and that right from the uh, 20th up to the 22nd. But it's a good uh, good garden week for, for most things. Just as a matter of interest, yeah. did, you, did you hear about that bloke that buried $100,000 in his back garden? Well, if I'd heard about him, Milton, I wouldn't be here right now. I'd be elsewhere. <laughs> well, I'll tell you why he did it. He wanted to make his soil a little richer. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> See you next week, Jen. Okay. Take care. <laughs> well, that was another great episode, Jen. I just want to rush out into the garden myself. Oh, I'm not stopping you. Off you go. <laughs> Adam, where can people find you? They can find me in the garden or they, oh. can, they can look me up on YouTube. Just search Adam Woodham and I'll pop up there, no problem at all, or on Instagram, of course. And if you want more garden inspiration before the next episode, you can pick up the latest copy of Better Homes and Gardens magazine at selected supermarkets and news agencies. So we'll see you next time, Jen. You bet. up what was that boring no flavor that was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week kiki palmer here and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free hello fresh jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. now that's music to my mouth hello fresh let's get this dinner party started discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com